And good afternoon, everybody, and I hope everyone had a good, long holiday weekend. Did you, Dan? I did, Buzz. It was beautiful being outside. You know, went to several walks in nature, mountains. It was just a beautiful weekend. Sounds Had to take advantage. Yeah, except for, except for awful. Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Saturday was a little rough. But outside of Saturday, it was perfect. You're talking about the weather. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're not talking about your life. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> a little buzz. Could be both. <laughs> That's good. There is so much to talk about. But um, we're really lucky that um, uh, when we uh, request it, the Union of Concerned Scientists um, provides these super uh, experts out of their cadre of experts in various things. Joining us today... Um, is Laura Peterson. Laura, uh, she's extremely accomplished. She's the corporate analyst and advocate for the accountability campaign at the Union of Concerned Scientists. I think accountability is kind of an important aspiration for us to uh, hold these days. She also has this extensive background in investigative journalism and strategic research. She served as staff to the United States Senate uh, Homeland Security and Government Affairs um, Subcommittee uh, and Oversight Committee. She's been a policy analyst for watchdog groups uh, such as Common Sense, the Center for Public Integrity, and Foreign Policy Magazine, and uh, other credentials which I would bore you with if I continued. Instead, I'd rather turn to Laura Peterson herself. Hello, Laura. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So you have been involved, um, the, the Security and Exchange Commission. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the project you've been working on with respect to the SEC? Well, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, which is the federal agency responsible for protecting investors by regulating financial markets, proposed a rule last March uh, which had been a few, quite a long time in the making, people have been calling for it a long time, that would basically make publicly traded companies disclose how climate change will impact their business. So um, under you know, U.S. law, when, you, when the SEC comes out with a new regulation, not all regulations, but they, most of them, they, they put them out for public comment. So they make it public. Everyone weighs in, they go back, maybe they tweak it a little bit, and then they make it, um, you know, and then it becomes implemented. And so we just submitted, along with many, many other people, almost 15,000 people, in fact, submitted comments um, describing all the reasons why we support this, uh, this regulation basically because we think it will help protect investors and um, and um, and bring more transparency about all the ways that climate change is um, is affecting the financial system. So let's talk a little bit be before we talk about investors. Let's talk about a little bit about what this proposal, this proposed regulation would do. What would a corporation have to do in order to comply should this regulation go into effect? Well, on the uh, forms that they have to file with the SEC every year, these are publicly traded companies. So this won't apply to private companies. 
Um, and there's also an exemption for very small companies. But for like a fairly big publicly traded company, they file forms um, every year with the SEC that talks about all the risks. I mean, you know, they disclose, you know, what their operating budget is, for example, and major changes over the course of the year to their company, but they're also supposed to disclose risks. For example, what lawsuits have been filed against them or you know, what new laws have come into effect that is that could, you know, change the way they do business, which uh, in turn affects their bottom line and which in turn affects investors. And since climate change is such a big part of our reality right now, it's already impacting the world we live in every day, is of course that means it's affecting companies and um, for that reason, investors have been asking for information for a long time um, about things like, for example, um, well, the risk tends to get divided into physical risk and transition risk, which I won't go too much into or get too wonky, but basically physical risk is the way climate change, um, such as extreme weather, can impact physical assets like oil rigs or power plants um, or even workers. Like if you are a company with a lot of um, outdoor workers, you know, heat, heat waves can affect your workers. So these are all, um, those are all examples of that. And um, trans transition risks can be things like, or, or, or the way that your business is responding to the transition to a low carbon economy. So, um, you know, are there going to be new laws or regulations or lawsuits in place that could force a company to, to change its business? So Those are a couple of if you take a company that, for example, is, let's take a huge, easy company. Let's take Mobile Exxon. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that its job is to uh, produce petroleum hydrocarbons um, and to distribute them. What would they have to, how much of what they do has to be disclosed under the new regulation? Well, big companies like ExxonMobil already dis disclose quite a lot. And so um, they don't, they, they disclose some of their greenhouse gas emissions already, for example. That's something that companies would have to disclose um, under this, this regulation, um, and which is, a big deal for a lot of companies because this regulation would ask companies to disclose the whole range of their emissions. So, um, so like when it, probably the biggest change for a big company like ExxonMobil, particularly an oil company, oil and gas fossil fuel company like ExxonMobil, is that they will have to disclose their scope three emissions. And as your listeners may or may not know, um, there are certain ways of measuring greenhouse gas emissions that divide them into scopes. So scope one are emissions that are produced from a source owned or operated by a company. So, you know, an oil rig. Um, scope two are the emissions from the energy a company has to buy to fuel its operations. And then scope three emissions are generated, are like all the other emissions. So all on the value chain, which can extend, for example, all the way to the consumers that use the company's products, such as filling up your SUV with gasoline 
And when that gasoline is burned, that's a scope three emission. And investors have asked for information about scope three emissions for years because these emissions often account for a really big percentage of a company's total emissions, particularly companies that are very, what they call high emitters, like ExxonMobil, <laughs> fossil fuel companies. So for a, your average oil and gas company, um, 80 to 90 percent of their total emissions are scope three emissions. So for the government to say you need to disclose all of your emissions, um, so, so people, investors, and the public can understand the full scope of, of what your business is producing, that's a big deal. Yeah, that'd be a very big deal. Uh, so are there some sort of collateral, um, let, let's say the uh, people that um, do the gas pumps, that is, they produce, they manufacture and sell, distribute the gas pumps that are used to, to put the fossil fuel into uh, gas tanks. Would they too have to disclose the, what the impact on the climate is of their activity? Well, yeah, because if you're, let's say you 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 make gas pumps or you you refine um, oil and gas or something along those lines, or you transport oil and gas. Let's say we're moving into you know um, five years from now, the demand for oil and gas goes you know through the floor, um, similar to what happened during Omicron, or or simply just that you know I mean right now of course. Um, demand for oil and gas is high because the war in Ukraine, but so that so these things can change rapidly. And but over time, everyone knows that oil and gas, the demand for oil and gas is going to taper, you know, taper downward. So those companies need to factor that into their um, their business plans because if you're an investor. Wouldn't you want to know that this um, gas pump company that you're investing in has some kind of plan for, you know, 10 years from now when the, the price of oil and gas or the demand for oil and gas might not be what it is today? I mean, I would want that as an investor. Of course, any rational investor would want to know what the long-term prospects of their investment are. So is this um, proposed regulation, I'm going to ask you in a moment, to tell people how they can comment in this um, reopened comment period by the Securities and Exchange Commission. But it, is the purpose of these regulations to protect investors or to protect the climate or both? It is to protect investors because the SEC, that's the SEC's mandate. The SEC doesn't have a mandate to protect the environment. The EPA does, and other, you know, federal agencies do. The EPA but, used to before the Supreme Court right? ruled. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. Exactly. This, the, their, um, their status is changing. Right. Um, but yeah, this is their. This is this is what happens. Regulations, and um, um, you know, that was a battle over a regulation that actually never came to be, but. So, um, so the SEC is not is not you know empowered uh, to to do um, climate protection. 
Now, so, we ahead. at UCS believe that this, this rule could ultimately help. Um, you know, I, I, I think that for, for investors, and this is one of the reasons that investors are asking for this information, is that a lot of them care about the climate. So that's one of the reasons why they want to know what a company's emissions are and right. why they want to know what their plan is for the future. Yeah. So mm -hmm. in that sense, it, the two are connected, but the SEC itself does not have a mandate to... Um, to do you know climate protection i got it so before we take a break we're going to take a break for a few minutes and come back with laura peterson of the union of concerned scientists um but uh tell people how they can participate in the comments uh the open comment period well unfortunately the comment period has technically closed i know that when we first talked about this this was a few weeks ago and and some there were some events that um you know like um, some Supreme Court rulings that moved things around. So, but the SEC still is, you know, anxious to hear from the public. So you, they may, you know, your comment may not end up um, sort of in the docket is what they call sort of the file um, that appears online, but it will be read someone at the SEC. So all you have to do is go to sec.gov and um, and look through the proposed rules, and um, it's a rule from this year. Uh, it was released in March, and, um, and they have also have information as to how to contact the commissioners. It's very interesting, and it's, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was closed. I know that they had extended it, but um, I'm just looking. It looked like it was closed. Even the extended period was closed in, in June. Um, but nevertheless, Good idea. We're going to come back and talk more with Laura Peterson about this. But please do write to the Securities and Exchange Commission. And uh, we're talking about public publicly traded companies to provide detailed reporting on climate-related risks and emissions and net zero transition uh, plans. Um, we'll talk about that further right after these messages. Please stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. When you shop at River Valley Co-op, you get the best local and organic produce, a butcher shop, wine and cheese shop, fresh seafood, and hundreds of bulk herbs, spices, and more. When you shop at River Valley Co-op, you create hundreds of union jobs and generate over $7 million in purchases from local farms and businesses. River Valley Co-op is your food hub, bringing you the best from around the valley and world while supporting your neighbors and local farmers. Shop River Valley Co-op in Northampton and East Hampton today. River Valley Co-op. Hi, I'm Missy Tatro, Assistant Vice President and Senior Mortgage Originator at Greenfield Cooperative Bank and its Northampton Co-op Bank Division. And I'm Mortgage Originator Jessica Eau Claire. Did you know you can start your pre-qualification or mortgage application online? Head on over to our new website at bestlocalbank.com and apply today. Or if you prefer, come see us in person at one of our Hampshire or Franklin County locations. Right now, we're also giving you the opportunity to save up to $1,000 on your closing costs. That's right. You get $750 plus another $250 
when we pre-qualify you for a mortgage. It's the best local mortgage from the best local bank. So come on over to the co-op and see me, Missy Tatro. Or me, Jessica Eau Claire, and save up to $1,000 on your closing costs. Close by September 30th, be a new first mortgage customer or refinance from another loan provider. Minimum $100,000 loan subject to change or end without notice. Other conditions apply. See bank for details. Greenfield Cooperative Bank is an equal housing lender, member FDIC, member DIF. You can count on your friends at the you want to feel important. You want to be part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We know. We felt that way too. And that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We are normal people just like you, but our part-time service in the Army National Guard means we get to be more. When our communities are in need, we get the chance to stand up and do something about it. We get to serve in our own region and help the people we call neighbors. From the coasts of Maine, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and New Jersey. The small communities of Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. To the dense forests of New Hampshire, Vermont, and New York, and historic Washington, D.C. We are here for our hometowns. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Army National Guard. Aired by the Massachusetts Broadcasters Association at this station. How long and how hard would you work to own your own home? At Pioneer Valley Habitat for Humanity, future homeowners contribute dozens of hours to build a home for their family, but they need your help. Thousands of community supporters have participated in this work since 1989. They create a partnership with a future homeowner and Habitat to build a home, strengthen our neighborhoods, and create a legacy for our community. Grab a hammer, lend a hand, build a better world. Volunteer and support Pioneer Valley Habitat for Humanity. pvhabitat.org. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back. Thank you for joining us again. You know, some of the conversations we have on this show sometimes involve policies and that, are, that feel really dry. But in fact, the one we're talking about right now with uh, corporate analyst, advocate, and expert, uh, Laura Peterson, is incredibly important because we're talking about um, corporates that are corporations that are whose stocks are publicly traded, and what kind of um, disclosure do they have to make to potential investors, purchasers of what they sell, which is their stocks. They invest in these companies, um, having to disclose what the impact of their what they do is, and the climate is incredibly important. I was just during the break talking to Laura, and, and um, Dan and I were ask, asking her um, about this. I, the, I love the Union of Concerned Scientists. If you want to find a good place to invest your money, the Union of Concerned Scientists does so much wonderful work around science, real stuff, not just opinion stuff, but real facts and trying to keep our planet alive and trying to keep us healthy. So um, that's just a plug. Please do donate to the Union of Concerned Scientists. I would think that their focus would not be protecting investors, although I'm sure they want honest and fair trading to be done, and they want their invest all investors to uh, be protected, but they their focus usually is things like the climate, the big thing, the climate. So I was asking Laura about that. And Laura, you were saying they uh, the union is an investor itself. Is that right? 
Yes, so the Union of Concerned Scientists uh, has an endowment, and so it, it does um, make choices about um, its own investments. And also we work a lot with investor groups because a, a lot of investor groups use our research. Um, so when, when I see investor groups, I mean groups that um, help like um, like sustainable investment groups, for example, that help um, um, investors understand some of um, you know the, what companies are doing. There are, of course, you know, groups that um, through their own stocks introduce shareholder resolutions to try to keep companies um, to make better choices. Uh, and you know, even just fund managers, they use our, our research uh, to, you know, in, in their choices about uh, sustainable investing. Got it. I know, you know, I, uh, I'm in my 70s, Laura, and my wife and I now finally, I'm not earning that much money anymore. I haven't been a lawyer for almost, you know, 45 years. Um, and, you know, we're not super wealthy, but we are. Uh, affluent enough to have a portfolio, which we are now using to maintain our lifestyle. And I have looked into socially responsible investment in the past and found it wasn't lucrative enough. However, I really want to know what stocks I own and what what that money that I'm investing is being used for and how offensive. I know that hypocrisy is part of investment in a capitalist society all the time, but... Um, I'd really be grateful for this regulation to pass. Is it likely to pass? Yes. So the thing about when the SEC proposes a rule, it doesn't have to pass, like it doesn't require a vote. But what will what does happen often is that based on comments, public comments, but also input from members of Congress, from, you know, all kinds, you know, the industry and, and all stakeholders, as they call them, they might tweak it a little bit. Um, rarely, that every once in a while, the SEC will just completely drop a proposed rule. But um, we feel pretty certain that this this one will make it through in some form. However, we're also expecting a lot. Well, we're already seeing a lot of pushback from opponents um, who are, you know, in high emitting industries and also, you know, anti-regulatory groups and lawmakers um, who have basically said that they're, you know, that they're going to do what they can to prevent it from going into effect. So it's going to be a, it's it's a long game. It's going to be a long fight. Okay, well, um, we only have a minute. What's, what's the final takeaway that you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, just that this is a very... Um, it's an important rule, but it's also, most importantly, it is an important issue. And I think people should really keep try to keep their eyes open. I'm sure a lot of your listeners, um, like you, try to be socially responsible investors. And there's it's hard to know sometimes what ESG really means when they're putting money into a fund um, that calls itself ESG. And I think that that this is that this this rule is important because it's going to empower the public. It'll empower investors. It's actually going to be good for companies because a lot of um, 
other countries in the EU have passed similar laws, and so it'll bring us up to speed with like global norms. And um, so, really, it's it's a win-win. Well, that's a great last message. We've been speaking with Laura Peterson, the corporate analyst and advocate for uh, the Union of Concerned Scientists, an organization that everyone should really uh, promote and support because uh, they do really fantastic work. Their work is more important now uh, as we watch the the climate increasingly degraded and science increasingly degraded by some people more important than it ever has been. So thank you so much for joining us, Laura. Let's hope the SEC passes this regulation. And thank you for advising us about it. Of course. Thank you for having me and and for being curious. Okay. Have a great rest of the day. And as to you listeners, we're going to uh, have uh, right here in the studio is Jackie Walsh with her playbill. And we'll be talking with Jackie in just a minute. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Chicopee police are investigating after a body was recovered from the Connecticut River Sunday morning. Police received a report from a boater about there being a possible body in the river just after 10 a.m. The Chicopee Police Underwater Recovery Team and Holyoke Fire Department responded to the scene and searched the area. A body was later located and recovered from the river. Police said this is an active investigation. The town of East Hampton now has its first ever local tenants organization. Four East Hampton Housing Authority residents are serving as the officers. City Councilor Tom Peak tells the Gazette, the tenants of public housing properties deserve an organization which can advocate on their behalf. After 25 years as director of Northampton's Office of Planning and Sustainability, Wayne Fiden has finally retired. His vision to make downtown a walkable, vibrant community center while also providing affordable housing is a mission that still continues today. Biden oversaw the planning for the redesign of Main Street, set to begin in the next year. Make downtown fun and friendly and experiential. Otherwise, it's it's going to die like a lot of downtowns around the country have. Biden worked for the Planning and Sustainability Department for 33 years, with 25 of those as director. And pandemic food benefits will continue in Massachusetts for the rest of the summer. The Baker administration announced Monday that Massachusetts has received federal approval to continue providing the benefits through PEBT. The benefits are estimated to provide continued food assistance for families of approximately 400,000 school-aged children. There's a good chance of some scattered showers developing this afternoon with a high of 82 to 86. Showers and drizzle likely tonight might even be a thunderstorm. An overnight low of 62 to 68. Mostly sunny, windy here tomorrow. A high of 84 to 88. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. There are farm fresh eggs just around the corner and beef across town. Local food is all around. It's a connection to your community, to the land and the people. There's a handy guide to the farm fresh food all around you, the local hero guide on the CISA website. You never know how close you are to something good for dinner tonight, something harvested just this morning. CISA's local hero guide, your guide to farm fresh food, on the CISA website, buylocalfood.org. 
When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. What, what I'm trying to communicate is that there are many, many layers of, of safety management in place at Eversource to ensure that we reduce as much risk as, as possible. Does the Bliss Street Station intentionally vent gas regularly? Because I can tell you that it vents gas. Pretty much every time I've gone to that area, I have smelled gas. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. A lot of mattress stores, all they talk about is price. Sale, 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 save, 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 blah, blah, blah. I get it. No one wants to pay a dollar more than you have to. But what do you really know about mattresses? Are you an expert? I'm not. And I have a furniture store. So I at least know a little. Hi, it's Robin from Talon Furniture. We mostly sell therapeutic mattresses at Talon Furniture. Not Tempur-Pedic, not trying to mislead you. Therapeutic the best mattress value I've ever found. And believe me, I've looked around. Therapeutic mattresses are made in Brockton. I've walked the floor and it was reassuring because there's no toxicity, no off-gassing. Therapeutic mattresses are clean and made by fellow Red Sox fans. Play the sale, sale, sale game if you want. That's not for me. A therapeutic mattress from Talon Furniture is your best bet and best deal. Today, tomorrow, or whenever you decide to buy a new mattress. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Well, it's Tuesday afternoon and it's time for Playbill to find out what's happening in the world of performing arts with Jackie Walsh. Hi, Jackie. Hey, Buzz. So what's happening around here in so, that world? Yeah, there's, there's so much going on. It's hard to decide what to go to. Um, but I'll just give you a little review of a couple things happening. So Barrington Stage, unfortunately, ain't misbehaving is gone. That was an incredible show. So now they have um, a show. Wow, I did not write down the title of the show. That's so weird of me. But anyway, through the end of July, it's about a 1939 Cuban cigar factory. This handsome man arrives to entertain the workers. Apparently that was a thing. You'd have entertainment while you're rolling the scars and he's reading Anna Karenina, and soon it's apparent that the passionate and frustrated lives of the characters sort of parallel those of the workers. So you can go on the Barrington stage and um, see what the name of that show is, which I'm forgetting how strange, but maybe you're looking it up for me, Buzz. Um, also, Shakespeare... Is it Anna in the Tropics? Yes, that's it, Anna in the Tropics. There we go. Thank you. Um, Shakespeare and Company has the Iliad all of July, Chester Theater Company has Birds of North America. It's about a father and daughter uh, birding team, and it's all about their relationship and how it evolves. Majestic Theater um, also has sort of a child-parent play called Betty and the Patch. It's a new play by Danny Eaton, and if you remember Buzz, he founded the Majestic like a couple decades right, ago. Right, we've spoken with Danny. Yeah, and it's about the ups and downs of a local restaurant run by a woman named Betty Borelli for years, and now she's gotten her lawyer daughter to come and help her after a kitchen fire. So that sounds interesting, too. Um, today we are going to talk about Once, which is playing at the Colonial in Pittsfield. I saw it Sunday. It's so much fun and also moving. I think I four separate times mm. um, and there's tons of music it's set in a Dublin pub it's a love story but there's sort of this chorus of musicians in the play who play 
pub goers and, you know, the band. Um, and today we have one of the actors who plays a lot of instruments in the show, William Boyajin. He plays Schwetz in Once at the Colonial. How are you, Will? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Very good. So he has a show going tonight. So we're grabbing him by the collar and uh, talking to him for a few minutes, and then he's going to rush off and get ready for the show. So um, just give people sort of the broad view of what Once is, what the play is about, and what it looks like on stage. Of course. Uh, so most of the show takes place inside of a, of a, of a pub in Dublin. Uh, in the overall story, it's the story of a, of a Dublin street musician. He is about to give up on his dream of, uh, of singing, of writing songs, when he has a kind of happenstance meeting with a, a beautiful young woman who takes this interest in him and these haunting, melancholic love songs he's writing. And as this kind of unspoken chemistry grows... His music gets better, um, and they navigate that, what it's like to meet someone at that one moment and uh, what it does to your life and all the baggage we carry with us. Yeah, and she's a great character. She just won't take no for an answer. She's like, he was ready to leave his guitar on the street and just give up on music, and she's like, pick that up right now. And she swaps with him her her um, vacuum needs fixing, and so she, sw- she has no money. She's a new immigrant. Oh, right. He's a vacuum salesman. Yeah, right. so she's from Czechoslovakia, and she, um, she... Do we need a spoiler alert here? I don't know. Maybe. I won't go on. Oh, I don't think there's any. There's no big M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, thing. yeah. But she swaps <laughs> me. She asks him to uh, fix something, fix the Hoover for her and swaps. Uh, she's a musician as well, so she plays music instead of paying him, and so... They're both, and the re- the actors um, have beautiful voices. And um, I think, does she play the piano the whole time? I was like, I can't does, see her she fingers. Does play, it, okay. play the piano. Okay, good. Um, so the music's amazing. I'm wondering what in the play, as I think about what moved me, I'm wondering what moves you about the play. Um. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's actually funny. I was I was fairly deep into the rehearsal process before I had really. Um, asked myself, like, why is this show called Once? And um, mm. one of the veteran actors, uh, John Michael Zygo, who was in the original uh, Broadway production, said, well, when they were talking about why it's called Once, it's be, we all have these goals we want to accomplish. We all have these desires in life. And it's so easy to say, once I get my bills ah. paid, then I can move it. Once I get a promotion, then I can do it. Once I meet the right person, then I can be happy. Um, and that we can we can defer a lot of our dreams waiting for this once to happen. Right. And sometimes you just got to close your eyes and dive. And that is something I'm very guilty of. So yes. Doing this show has made me go like, uh-oh, maybe I take a little inventory. Maybe I start getting a little bolder with what I want. Um, right. And it really does slam oh, that message home, I think, by, by the end. Yeah. So there is a song that is... Um, I've heard it a lot on our wonderful station, local station, WRSI. I think that's where I learned about it. And really, if I really put together a list of top ten songs, I think right now that would be on it. And I had no idea it came from a play. It came from this play. So it's called Falling Slowly, and it's beautiful. Can I put you on the spot to sing a couple bars of it so that the audience will say, oh, yeah, I know that. You can. Uh, I don't sing this in the show, but I don't think, I don't think the other actor is listening, so he won't mind. But I love these first lyrics. I do love them. It's, yes. I don't know you, but I want you. 
all the more for that. Words fall through me and always fool me, and I can't react. I love those lyrics. Mm. Yes, I don't know you, but I love you even more for that. Like, I love you Mm -hmm. more not knowing anything about you. Yeah, I don't know why that song just got me. And I think they're it, haunting. It, All the lyrics are, are they're so real and so simple and they're so haunting. And it's uh, I think that's why this this show strikes so hard, pulls on the heartstrings is mm-hmm. there are no grand gestures. It's all everyday feelings we all go through. Yeah. So um, I was trying to notice what instruments you played. And I'm probably totally wrong. You played something banjo like. Was it a banjo? Yeah, I play a I play a tenor banjo in the show. I play a mandolin. I play um, a guitar. I play concertina in the very beginning of the show, the pre-show, that little pirate-looking oh, squeeze yeah. box. Uh huh. Um, and I play drums. I play drums. Did in you? The show. Were you on the drum set? That was me on the drum set with the mustache, and then I play um, the cajon, which is a, there's a lot of cajon in this show. The small little box. Drum, yes. You know, as a non-musician, I was like, wow, that's so innovative. They use speakers as drums, but I kept worrying that they were going to, you know, break the speaker. So I take it they are not speakers. They're they're not. It's actually, it's a, it's a fun little instrument. It's called a cajon. It's, um, it's just a wooden box that has little metal springs in it that rattle like a snare drum almost, Mm -hmm. um, and you can hit it all over and make all these interesting sounds. It's a real staple instrument of uh, street performers and buskers, which is why I think it fits so well in this show. And it gives such a, uh, an earthy quality to the music. So it was interesting to me that there wasn't an Irish drum in the show. But, you know, you're in Dublin. I'm sure there's all sorts of influences from other countries in the music scene there. Oh, for sure. No, that, I had the exact same uh, reaction when I... When I was first auditioning, I'd never seen the show, and I said, "Oh, it's in Ireland. I bet it's a lot of it's a lot of fiddle tunes, and they have the the barren drum and all that." And then someone kind of sarcastically was like, "Yeah, the show's like in the 2000s. They had cell phones and stuff. <laughs> They're playing regular guitars." Well, the Pogues I was like, oh, I was didn't just play. That. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Jackie's talking to uh, Will Boyajian, and I wanted to ask you, Will, when you're an actor. And you're a musician. When you are playing instruments in the context of a story, does your play change relative to? If you, I mean, every 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 song is a story, but it's different when we're talking about musical theater, isn't it? Do you play differently? Yeah, um, it's a it's an interesting tightrope to walk, and I, I think it's an answer to that question. I think is, is a is a constantly moving thing. I think when you're doing these actor-musician shows, we all kind of suspend our disbelief, and we say, that guy's got a guitar right now, but he's not, he doesn't really have a guitar. This is just what he's using to communicate what he needs to communicate. Other times during the show, we 100% are there actually playing guitar. The character guy is actually performing, and we all say, oh, all these strangers who are also playing instruments, they're not really playing, but he is. It's, a, it's, a, it's a nebulous thing sometimes. Um, but there's a, there's a, a few of these actor musician shows, and I think it gives it a nice it, it's a nice interesting genre of musical theater that is it's fairly new and is still developing. So it's fun to be on what I think will look back as this first wave of actor musician shows. 
Well, I know I love music and I love acting, and together knocks my socks off when there's really good musical theater. And we are, Jackie's talking with Will Boyajan, um, who is uh, starring in Once at the Colonial in Pittsfield. We're going to be back with Will right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. I met Colonel Pepper and his money he was counting. I drew forth my pistol and I rattled my saber, saying stand and deliver, for I am a bold deceiver. How close has the testimony of Cassidy Hutchinson brought us to the indictment of Donald Trump? Join us when we hear the analysis of the former head of the U.S. Attorney's Office for Western Massachusetts, John Pucci, who will be our guest Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP, news, information, and the arts. Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. But I don't see wine here, Ringo. What do you got? Well, who am I? You're the spirit guy. Uh-oh. So you're taking me down the road of spirits. There's custom glass issues. So anything that comes in custom glass is having trouble globally. There was an American whiskey that was the bottle was causing a holdup that was hard to get, right? What one was that? Bullet bourbon. Oh, yeah, right. Which is a custom glass issue. You know, they have all the stuff. Most of these whiskeys are 3, 4, 10, 18 years old. Way before COVID, way before any supply chain chain issue so it's not a production issue it's a bottling and shipping issue we're tasting whiskey today and these are all going to be single malts but a lot of the famous single malts we're used to ordering them a certain way but we can't order them in that way because they're not getting in enough of those things so the price will go up 20 25 30 dollars on the shelf we're not going to pass that on to the consumers we're just going to go we don't have it but we have other options these are single malt whiskey alternatives i like cheap find your favorite whiskey and your next favorite whiskey at state street Mortgage rates have fallen slightly, but it may not be enough to help first-time buyers. While interest charges are less, home prices remain near record highs. NerdWallet's housing expert Kate Wood tells Consumer Affairs price increases may be slowing, but prices aren't expected to substantially decline. Ford is recalling more than 310,000 of its super-duty pickup trucks. Dust may accumulate in the steering wheel clock spring, causing a disconnection in the electrical connection, resulting in the driver airbag not deploying as intended if the vehicle's in a crash. 92-year-old Martin Cooper is famous for inventing the first cell phone, and he isn't pleased with the way his invention is being used these days. In an interview with the BBC, Martin said he's stunned by how much time people now waste on their devices, telling users, get a life. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. We are back with Jackie Walsh's uh, uh, playbill for this week, and we have 
Uh, with us, Will Boyajan, who stars in Once at the Colonial Theater in Pittsfield. Um, so how do people get tickets, uh, Will, to, to Once? Um, to get tickets, you can go on, on the Colonial's website for Berkshire Theater Group. You can go right downtown Pittsfield and walk into the beautiful Colonial Theater, and they have a box office down there, and you can walk right in and get them. Um, I think those are the two ways. I don't know. I haven't bought a ticket for this show yet. Um, <laughs> do you, I have a question. I've always wondered, do you get like five tickets for your family for free or do they have to pay for everything? It depends. If my family's listening right now, I don't get free tickets. No, they do give us some comps. They, they do give us some comps. And this week, that's my task, is the difficult task of organizing my family to oh, come yeah. down and check Great. it out. They're in Albany, so not, uh-huh. not too far. Oh, yeah, so they can drive down. Well, I have to say, you not only are a really great animated musician and actor, you're a great dancer, too. I was watching because I knew you'd be on the show, and you had some pretty good moves. Thank you. I think you are the first you're the first person to give me that compliment in a while after that pandemic, but I will take it. <laughs> so, um And of course it had to be on radio where nobody yeah, could see anything, right? Right. 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 So, I no, I thought you stood up. You 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 stu- stood out. You stood out because you're tall and you have a, I think you have a mustache, maybe a beard. You're tall, you're kind of skinny I, 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 and then but you're a good dancer. Thank you. Yeah. So, um were most of the uh, the people playing in the the band in the play or are they first musicians and second actors or vice versa oh uh, that's hard i think they're all first they're actors first they all are actors first um and musicians second which is really incredible because you saw the show and you hear how good that music sounds and um, to think that that's everyone's second round in the chamber you know everyone here is an actor first and foremost um and pretty diverse are some people who are do more music in their life. There's some people who are really straight musical theater. There's some people here who do mostly straight plays, just regular plays. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's yeah. nice and diverse in that in that aspect. Well, I'm sort of a straight play fan. I'm not a huge musician, but this genre is so intriguing. I mean, it's, I love music, and the music People call this fantastic. a play with words. Sorry? Yeah, they say it's, they say it's kind of a play with music. Yeah, rather. yeah, yeah. It's not really a musical. I like that. So one thing I was struck by, and tell me if I got this right, and I'm not sure you know about it, but I think on the website I saw people with EBT cards, which is food stamps, can come for five for, for five dollars, and um, I am really just so pleased with that. Um, you know, I see a lot of diversity in casting these days, but the audiences, I'm sorry, and, and you know, we live in a pretty, the Berkshires are pretty white, but. You know, I've gone to a show and walked past an apartment complex two blocks down filled with Latino and African-American people, and the audience is still super white. So um, it's great that there's an effort to get Make people it accessible. who can't afford 85 or 55, I forget how much they are, dollar tickets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and this is definitely an issue that is not unique to... Um, to the Colonial Theater oh, or to Massachusetts, not. or this is an issue that is that is standard in American theater. And I think um, not to mention the economic threshold of, of, of getting people into the audience, but um, but the age threshold as well is very important. Yes. Um, we need to make sure that we're making it accessible for both diverse groups, but also for diverse ages. 
so that we can, A, continue this beautiful art form, and also the more you, we expose our young people to this art form, you know, and every audience is the next great American playwright, is the next great American composer. And um, I, I get very upset to think that there might be someone out there who has this magic inside them, but they never get exposed to theater or the stage at a young age, and it just kind of withers away within them. So I'm all about getting um, as many people into the house as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and by making it accessible, you're also building audience for the future for sure. as well. And yeah. you said something, I want to circle back, because last week, when you said it's a play with words, it's a music with, uh, what did you say? It's I a, music a, with, a play with music. A play with music. And last week, Jackie brought us Daniel Kramer, who is the uh, uh, artistic director of the Chester Theater. And I asked him a question, which I'd like to ask you, because I still didn't get an answer that I understand, which is, What's the difference between musical theater and opera? I oh, think. Um, yeah, that's always an interesting one. Um, so this is sadly, this is one that I have like the definition in my back pocket because they drilled this into us at school. So you have uh, so you have regular musical theater where you do some acting. Hey, how's it going? And then you sing. Then they're like, we're walking to the bank to get the money. <laughs> they're singing about what they're doing and that, that those words they're singing are forwarding the plot. Um, you have an opera where everything is sung and they're singing just like they're talking. Then you have this, this niche kind of um, form of theater called the play with music where it's these songs don't forward the plot. They're not singing about what they're doing. Um, they're not singing about what they want, really. They're singing. They're just singing actual songs. Um, or the songs are separate from the action going on on stage. Um, and it really paints a very microscopic kind of viewpoint for the audience. You really feel like you're getting deep in there when you strip down some of that glitz and glam and uh, razzle-dazzle that American theater, musical theater, is really known for. This, I think, allows you a much more hyper-realistic, pedestrian kind of view of the story. And it lends itself perfectly to a plot like once. Will Boyajin, you win the prize. I think I've asked that question <laughs> 10 times. That's the best answer I've ever gotten. So oh, Email Daniel Kramer. Let him know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I had seen your bio that they sent me and that you had been in the Ukraine um, maybe eight years ago. So I just wanted to point out when I was there, I was falling asleep. I didn't. I was worried about falling asleep through the play because I hadn't gotten much sleep, and I got some Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and it wasn't that what ke- that kept me awake. But the person serving me the coffee at the drive-through had an accent. I said, "Hi, huh, I hear a little accent. Where are you from?" She's from the Ukraine, and it's right there in Pittsfield. So I'm hoping maybe you'll stop by and. Uh, and talk to her about the Ukraine. But maybe you can now tell us a little bit about your work in the Ukraine. In Ukraine, oh, totally. not the Ukraine. Yes. I know. I, I still slip up and say it sometimes. Yeah, it was, it, it was a really random event, but I think it was around 2013-14. Um, mm-hmm. I had a friend whose father taught at a school in the Ukraine, an English second language school, taught um, business and finance over there. And... Through a weird series of emails and like, this was like almost pre-Skype days, really. They were like, you know, interviewed me over the phone. They're like, great, come to Ukraine and you can write this theater 
syllabus, basically this theater program, and you can be the co-head of the, of the theater faculty for these little children. They all speak English, and you'll teach musical theater. So and I show up, and cool. yeah, so I show up, and they were like, wait a minute, you're 22. They thought I was like a big New York hotshot just because I said I was a New York actor. And I was like, no, I'm waiting tables mostly. Um, oh, you can ride that but, wave. Why not? Well, unfortunately, oh, we only have about 15 or 20 mm-hmm. seconds. So this is, we've been speaking with William Boyajin. He plays Schwetz in Once at the Colonial Theater. It's running now. It's It takes place in an Irish pub. It's really moving, great music. And can you remind us once more how people can get tickets? You can get tickets. You can you can Google the Berkshire Theater Group, Berkshire Theater Festival, and buy tickets online. You can walk right into the beautiful Colonial Theater in downtown Pittsfield. Go right into the box office and get your tickets that way as well. Great and beautiful doesn't even begin to describe that place. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It is incredible. Will, thank you so much for joining us. We've been speaking with Will Boyajin. Um, you're obviously a very talented man. The play is Once. It's at the Colonial in Pittsfield. Get some tickets. Go and see it. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you, Will. Thank you. Everybody, have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Break a leg. (laughs) This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Imagine working hard for so many years and reaching your retirement only to find out there's an issue with your pension or 401k. Unfortunately, it's a problem too many Americans face. The New England Pension Assistance Project can help you get the benefits you've earned by providing free legal help. Contact the New England Pension Assistance Project at 888-425-6067 or visit them online at pensionhelp.org slash newengland. A public service from the U.S. Administration on Aging's Pension Counseling and Information Program. The Literacy Project is the place to go if you are an adult looking to improve your reading, writing, and math skills, or if you want help preparing for the high school equivalency exam and preparing for college. To find out about our free classes in Franklin and Hampshire counties, check us out online at literacyproject.org or call us in Northampton at 413-584-6755. The only live and local talk in the Valley and for the Valley. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton radio group station. It's 5 o'clock.